This is Popular Front, a podcast focused on the very niche and kind of geeky details of modern warfare with me, Jake Hanrahan. Today we're speaking to Ali Winston, a reporter at the New York Times. He's going to be speaking about a white nationalist militant street fighting group in the US that spread rapidly from 2017 to 2018 when they were all arrested and investigated by the domestic terrorism unit of the FBI. If you live in America, you might have heard of them, but generally outside, there isn't a lot of information. So Ali's going to be speaking about how the Rise Above movement kind of led the way for this militant street activity of uh, neo-fascists in America. If you like what we're doing at Popular Front and you want bonus content, go to patreon.com slash popularfront. The full website has been launched now to popularfront.co. So Ali, tell us, what is the Rise Above movement? What is RAM? So the Rise Above movement is a relatively small, but you know, very well-known, at least now in the States, um, group of white nationalists, fascists, ultra-nationalists. There are a bunch of terms that can be used accurately to describe the group. Um, they were started in about 2016 in Southern California in... Um, I guess they spanned Los Angeles and uh, Orange County and San Diego, which are um, three of the most populated uh, counties in California. Um, they were started by a group by a guy called Rob Rundo, a former gang member out of Queens, um, who moved west in 2014 or 15 um, to try and kind of restart his life with his uh, with the person he was seeing at the time. And um, they on their they were formed about 2016 and. They were kind of like an alt-right, far-right um, street fighting group. Um, they started out as kind of a bar, uh, you know, a, a little bit of a lads boxing club, and then they trained in mixed martial arts. They had a, a kind of straight edge image that they were pushing, and then as the uh, whole left-right tension really swelled up in 2017. Um, between anti-fascists and uh, members of the far right, especially in California. That's where some of the most pronounced street fighting was up until Charlottesville that August. Um, Rise Above, really, that's where they cut their teeth and got their name by brawling with uh, black-clad anti-fascists in Huntington Beach, Berkeley, San Bernardino, and then... um, you know, they went out to Charlottesville and were among the most prominent combatants out there. Uh, so that's really where they caught uh, public rec. In Berkeley, for example, uh, in Huntington Beach, they would wear these like all gray active wear, you know, tracksuit style outfits with the half skull masks that you and I both know Adam Waffen and other far right um, folks love to wear. And they were, you know, they were about it. They really, they trained uh, in mixed martial arts. They would do weekly trainings, um, cardio, combat, weights, and they actually fought quite well in groups. You know, they were able to, they fought um, in teams. They covered each other's backs. They were never alone. You could see that they knew how to, uh, they knew how to grapple, they knew how to fight um, in a situation that, frankly, in those brawls, there were a lot of people just throwing fists wildly and just kind of, you know, mucking around, and they—that's why they stood out to me. Um, the first time I saw them in Berkeley back in twenty, back in uh, April of twenty seventeen, they really caught my attention. Yeah, same. When I first saw the footage of Ram, it was very clear like these lads actually know how to fist fight. You know, they—they they weren't just a bunch of fast running around. Like they had tactics. You could tell they had their hands wrapped. They were—you could tell they'd done combat sports. They were properly learning how to fight. 
And I hadn't seen a group like that before, you know. I mean, is there anyone else out there like Ram? There are organizations like them um, out there that are still going pretty strong. A group called Patriot Front, which is uh, a spinoff of Vanguard America. They also engage in this sort of heavy um, mixed martial arts training. Um, But there are other organizations out there that were doing something similar. There was a, um, there's a similar group up in Quebec. Um, I think they're called Atalante, something of that sort. And then there are other gyms, white supremacist gyms in, you know, the Rust Belt in the Midwest that were the, the combatants, there were people who participate in their trainings actually do work on combat technique and something of that sort. But I do believe that Rise Above were certainly one of the groups that got the most attention, in part because they worked very closely with um, people in the, the alt-right media sphere like uh, Vincent uh, Fox of the, uh, Vincent Fox James of the Red Elephants. Um, they're really close to Mike Painovich of um, Mike Enoch of the Right Stuff, Eric Stryker. So they definitely had signal boosters who pushed their, um, their image out there and their videos were also um, very well produced. Um, done in a way to appeal to young adolescent Americans who really um, were the target audience for them. They were looking to recruit young conservative Americans who felt like they were being targeted for their political views by, you know, the far left, the radical left, Antifa, whoever. Right, let's talk about the uh, the leader of RAM, Rob Rondo. He's got a very interesting history, hasn't he? And I think without him, I don't think they would have had the, um, the mobility they, that they had, you know. He kind of was the ringleader, right? Yeah, Rob is, um, his whole life, Rob has been the sort of guy that people organize around. He's a good recruiter. Um, he's charismatic, and I'm talking about, I'm making reference to interviews I've done with people who knew him in his current and past life. Um, he's a very competent, capable, intelligent individual. So Rob started his, uh, I mean, yeah, Rob was an adolescent in Queens when he first got involved in, I guess, street politics. Um, he joined... Um, joined or started, depending on who you talk to, a uh, neighborhood gang called the Original Flushing Crew, which is in his part of Queens, um, northeastern Queens. And they were like a neighborhood gang that, you know, would, you know, hang out. And this was a gang with all different races, right? It wasn't a white supremacist gang. Oh, yeah. No, it was not not at all. I mean, the neighborhood's incredibly mixed up, and that group was mixed up. I mean, a lot of them were uh, were Latino, you know. There were Jews in that, ga- in that group of friends or that street gang, whatever you want to call it. Um, and realistically, that's not an uncommon thing in New York City. Like, every neighborhood will have a group of kids, a group of knuckleheads that hang out together and call themselves something and give themselves a little hand sign. I mean, you have that in some of the wealthier neighborhoods. You have that in the poor neighborhoods. It's just, it's city living. Um, but... OFC were kind of, there's two parts of that neighborhood. One is on one side of Northern Boulevard. It's north towards um, Long Island Sound. And the other uh, other part is further south. And that's the nicer side where Rob lived at that point, although it's not great by any means. Um, the other side is south on the other side of Northern Boulevard. And that's more, um, you know, close quarter apartment, um, apartment buildings, single family houses. They're a little bit more run down. And that area is, um, or was back then, heavily Central American. And there was a set of uh, MS-13, Maras Alatrucha down there, um, Guanacos, Little Psychos, that would beef with Rob's people and, uh, and Rob. And they got into, you know, they had a running street battle with these guys for, a bu- for years in the mid-2000s. Um, and it was, you know, Rob and his friends would jump these guys with baseball bats. These guys, some of these guys would take shots at their other friends. And, you know, they would, it was serious. And in 2009, uh, Rob 
and a couple of and two of his other uh, OFC members caught one of these guys on the street. An MS-13 guy. Yeah, it chased him. The guy flashed a hand sign at them, you know, his gang sign. He chased him down the street, um, and Rob pulls out a fixed blade knife and stabs the guy multiple times. Um, really messed him up. Gave him a colostomy bag. Um, and the video of that stabbing is pretty nasty, man. Yeah, it's really nasty. Yeah, it's really nasty. I've seen it. He's he's he basically doesn't care if he kills the guy, right? He stabs him in the back. He stabs him in the ribs. Like he, he just doesn't care. Yeah, he's, he's, he was really, you know, working the kid over. And uh, someone described afterwards that, you know, they saw Rob afterwards and he had blood, basically he had blood on his eyeball. Like, there's blood everywhere. He really went for it. Um, so he was arrested for that crime, charged, convicted, and sentenced to prison. Um, he got out, I believe, in 2011. When he was inside, he actually got involved in prison politics and started up a little, uh, little white supremacist or whites-only group there called the 88ers. Um, told his friends when he came out that he'd done some dirt inside and never been able to confirm that. Um, but that was the word on him. And then uh, when he came out, he tried to go a little bit, he tried to go straight, worked um, construction, worked, um, you know, as a, uh, he did manual labor, blue collar labor, got a union job, did pretty well. Um, Stayed away from the gang life, yeah, he did. And do we know how Rondo became this white supremacist? Like, did he have that ideology before, or was it a case of, you know, go to jail, join a white gang? So I've been told that he, even when he was, before he went in, you know, he would hang out. He knew about that culture beforehand. Um, he would play um, screwdriver songs to his friends. So, so he's with all these, like, gangbangers of different races, but listening to racist music with them. Oh, yeah, and they would all, like, smoke weed and, and joke about it and, and sing along to it. You know, they would sing along to Romper Stomper Skinhead, and he would talk about wanting to get his red laces. I mean, there were, there were signs that he knew. What his friends told me is that they, they didn't take it seriously at the time, but now once they realized that Rob had gone this, you know, 1488 or when you're a skinhead, you get your red laces when you, you know, <laughs> when you attack someone of another race um, and you seriously hurt them or kill them. And uh, that's what Rob was talking about. Um, jokingly at the time but then he went out and did something that probably would have given him his red laces so before he goes upstate to to service to service bib he gets two tattoos he gets a totem cough on the back of his neck um and he gets a victory of valhalla tat across his back of his shoulders and those you can still see today he still has them um he also had an ofc tattoo on the back side of one of his um one of his arms near one of his triceps. And for anyone that doesn't know, the totem cough was the insignia of Hitler's SS. Yeah, yeah, death's head. It's the death's head. Um, so, and he got these tattoos. It's not clear whether he got them because he wanted to fit in or because he had this ideology, but he got these this ink before going into prison, serving his bid, and then he went into prison and got involved in whatever sort of version of, you know, prison politics you could in New York State, which is not like California. There's not a huge white supremacist population or a white population in the state system. Um, but when he comes out, so he and his, um, he and his lady in, I think, 2014 or 15, I'm not sure when precisely, but they leave New York um, for, for work. They move to California, to Southern California, and down there um, he works in, he finds more union work, I believe, um, sheet metal. Works at a sheet metal union, and um, he got involved somehow with individuals 
who were of a similar ilk to had similar ideological persuasions to him, right? I knew there's people have told me that he was reading literature, uh, he was reading far right literature. That he, there were signs that they didn't realize at the time that, but now they knew, in retrospect, that he had developed his ideology ideology in one way or another. But in 2016, he meets um, a couple people. Uh, one of them, I believe, is Ben Daly who is another founding member of the Rise Above Movement from Southern California, Hermosa Beach, um, did time for a, uh, did jail time for firearms possession. Um, and they, you know, click up and form the Rise Above Movement. And now looking back on it, it's clear that he was also involved with some members of the Hammerskins as well. Um, and they were involved in the founding of that group. And the Hammerskins are a, um, the Hammerskins are the largest uh, skinhead gang in the country. Um, they've been responsible for a number of homicides. They have organ. They have um, chapters overseas as well, in uh, in Germany, Portugal, Italy, um, you know, Spain. They're they're out there. They're in Europe as well. So they, you know, they start recruiting among um, Daly's friend group and social circles in Southern California, in Torrance, in Hermosa Beach. Um, some members of the Hammerskins who were prior, previously documented by other members of law enforcement and, um, and anti-fascists also participate in the early trainings. And um, they, don't, they call themselves the DIY division, the do-it-yourself division, right? That was the name in the beginning. Yeah, yeah, and they didn't really have much of a presence except for on social media until the uh, March 2017 rally, the Make America Great March in uh, Huntington Beach, California. Um, Huntington Beach is a, is one of the last blue collar cities, um, increasingly increasingly less so, but it's one of the last blue collar cities in Orange County, which is to the south of Los Angeles County. Um, historically, very conservative, like rock ribbed Reagan Republican conservative. Um, long history of white supremacist groups operating in Orange County, especially you know skinheads, traditional skinhead gangs. Um, that's something any law enforcement official in California will tell you. It's very well documented. Well, you know, volumes have been written about it. Um, but at, that, at this march, you know, you have a bunch of Trump supporters come out and they march around and march for their free speech and in opposition to uh, the disruption of Milo Yiannopoulos' talk at Berkeley, up at UC Berkeley in Northern California in, I believe, February of that year. And there are some... You know, pretty, predictably, there are some counter-protesters there, all black, so forth. And, uh, you know, pushing and shoving breaks out with them. And then one member of Rise Above, a guy named Tyler Laub, who also had, who prior, prior to this had a robbery conviction and actually was on probation at the time of this entire, um, this entire incident. Tyler throw, you know, grabs uh, one of these journalists who's, in, you know, trying to get in between... Um, the members of Rise Above and the uh, other ma members, other far-right folks, other MAGA folks, and the anti-fascists, because they're starting to push and shove and really get into it, and he throws a bunch of punches at this dude and touches off a huge melee in which, you know, other members of Rise Above get involved, and Rob Rundo famously grabs one of these black-dressed, and black-clad anti-fascists, throws them to the sand, and, you know, pounds on him until, until whoever it is you know, fires a bunch of um, mace at him and manages to get free. Um, and Rob's 
the image of Rob throwing blows at this um, black-clad uh, anti-fascist on the ground becomes a meme. Yeah, it's weird footage. They look like surfer dudes or something, and then you realize, like, oh, no, fascists. Yeah, yeah, surf Nazis. Um, so Rob is, you know, Rob pummeling this guy, a picture of him, like, throwing a punch with his teeth gritted. He becomes, a, he gets circulated on the, uh, the internet as based elbow man. And, you know, no one knew who his name was at the time. Then in April of 2017, um, there's a rally hosted in, there's a, the far-right groups and, you know, anti-Antifa folks, self-identified, like, base stickman and all these other, you know, these proud boys from the, the area, a whole kind of panoply of the, the right and far-right in California gather in downtown Berkeley to protest against the, far, the radical left, the far left, you know, California, Berkeley, Berkeley, California. And, um, of course, this being the Bay Area and the East Bay in particular, which is a pretty lefty area, and there's a lot of, you know, very militant anarchists, anti-fascists, communists. There's a lot of folks on the left who are willing to throw down. Um, they get into it. There's, like, there's a battle royale, essentially, in downtown Berkeley. And Ram, who are now calling themselves the Rise Above Movement, hit the headlines. I mean, they are dressed in this all, you know, all gray outfit. There are about, what, seven of them? There were, there, were, there, were mo there were several of them up there for that rally. They were actually fighting alongside Identity Europa's Nathan D'Amico, and they really, you know, they made, they made a name for themselves right there because they fought together and really just, you know, went, they were the most aggressive group. They were the first ones over the, the police lines to attack the, uh, the lefties. That's what I was going to say. When I remember watching the footage of it. And, you know, I mean, yeah, fuck them, they're, they're white nationalists, fascists, whatever. But they're definitely very well organized in terms of how to fight in a street battle. Like, you're watching that, and they just roll over everybody. You know what I mean? Like, bam, bam, guy comes in the left. They, they've trained to fight. Yeah, exactly. Like, but to street fight, right? Like, that was what really surprised me. Because normally it's like some fat fucking racist just windmilling, you know? No, they they've been training for that moment. They, you know, in the texts and communications that have come out since um, that they were sending to each other they were really they'd made it clear that they were work, they had a game plan um, that they were going to be ready to throw down um, in Northern California and where were they training do they have their own gyms or what they're just gathering in the neighborhood or you know they would mix it up um, there were some mixed martial arts gyms they would train at they trained at a bunch of parks um, in Orange County I think a couple in San Diego as well um, but they changed their training location pretty frequently. Um, I went to one of their training, um, the parks that they trained at. It was, it's weird. It's this new park in a brand spanking new subdivision, um, Marblehead Park in Orange County, up from, up the hill in San Clemente, up from the beach. And it's like, you know, there's, there's like a little middle school right behind it. It's the last place you'd expect, you know, a bunch of white nationalists to be training for the, the, you know, the race war, their, their, you know, got Dameron with, uh, with Antifa. Well, well, let's talk about the um, RAM or RAM. Let's talk about their ideology. Like, I know they're, they're white nationalists, but what do they actually want? What do they think they're doing? Like, do they have a long-term plan or they just want to smash the left, as it were? I mean, they definitely wanted to smash the commies. Um, but they were very, very, very into the writing of Giulio Evola. Um, who is a very, as you know, a very prominent Italian fascist. Tolkien for fascists. Well, yeah, Tolkien for fascists. I mean, it's, um, Evola's writings were, you know, they're not quite esoteric Hitlerism, but really, you know, um, deep ideology of, you know, very, very foundational fascist ideology. Um, 
and he did believe you know he some of his beliefs were pretty out there and they would read him they would read Alain de Benoist um, they were immersing themselves in a true fascist canon in terms of the literature they read um, they did believe in taking care of whites and they did believe in you know training their own people to rid themselves of drugs and alcohol and stop you know submitting themselves to this you know Zionist uh, globalist conspiracy that was corrupting white youth of today. I mean, it, it, it is that that strain of white nationalism that you know our problems are being foisted on us from the outside by this controlling Zionist um, occupied government, which is actually a pretty old um, white power trope in the U.S. Right. I, I read a thing where um, one of these groups was saying that the the opioid crisis, which is absolutely horrific and should be spoken about way more than it is, I think, in the US. But they were saying that the opioid crisis, they were like, it's the Jews. They've got us all hooked on the opioids. Like, mm, OK. But like, you know what I mean? It's, they, they really believe that, right? That, it, that everything bad that happens to white people is because of Jews. I mean, they, Zog played such a heavy role in the social media posts and some of the chats they had, the propaganda that they would circulate um, you know Ben Daly in particular I mean his background his um, online presence was full of references to the Zog and Israel and Soros um, really toxic 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 material but I do believe that a lot of their a good amount of the ideology they were that they received um, it, it's not clear who the individual was who kind of directed their, their their study, but I do believe that the Hammerskins they associated with had a good amount of influence on what they read. Um, I also think that Rob maybe have come, may have come across a lot of this on his own. He's a very smart individual, and when he commits to something, he really does commit to it. Um, the Hammerskins absolutely helped them train, though. You know, there was one guy, Robert Smithson, who I believe is still at large, um, hasn't been arrested yet, and may not even not be in the country. Um, but they helped them hone their training regimen. Um, there was a mixed martial arts fighter named um, Hooper. God, his first name is his first name is eluding me right now. But he was also one of the individuals who helped them train. You know, the guy who fought professional bouts, pretty big lad, Logan Hooper. Logan Hooper, that's his name. So yeah, I mean they. They really got out there. They would go. They would travel to events. They would commit. Um, they went to Charlottesville. They planned to, you know, they planned the logistics to bring a couple guys out to Charlottesville. And um, in Charlottesville, they were Ben Daly, Tom Gillen, Mike Miscellis, and uh, this guy um, Cole White from the Bay Area, who they recruited to bring out with them. Really got involved in the mayhem. And then after Charlottesville they kind of pulled back a little bit from the public eye. They didn't want to do as much um, public organizing. They trained up um, their their cadre. They had a rotating cast of about 50 people. Um, they believe it shrank in time. But then in um, April of last year, 2018, Rob Rondo, Mike Miscellis, Ben Daly, and this guy named Robert Smithson um, all traveled to Europe to go to this um, NPD-sponsored uh, mixed martial arts tournament This, you know, on Hitler's birthday in Austritz in East Germany, where Rob and Robert Smithson compete. And, you know, there's just a bunch of sick highling knots. It's, these, these individuals are like the classic beer gut, skinhead types. But there are also people among them who train in mixed martial arts, and that's why they're there, to have their pure race tournament. Um, this tournament was also sponsored by Dennis Nikitin, 
the founder of White Rex, which is a uh, an organization of particular interest. They are a. Uh, I mean, what would you characterize White Rex as, Jake? They're Russian? Are they Ukrainian? Are they German? Uh, I think they're. I think they're like Pan Eastern European. To be honest, I've seen all sorts of different people, but generally they speak Russian. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's you know this this mixed martial arts promotion company, and you know they you know, have a pretty good public relations interface. Um, Nikitin himself is pretty interesting. Um, I believe he, his background, he's person reporting Der Spiegel did, he's actually Jewish. Um, go figure. <laughs> Fuck. Well, I mean, the guy that funds Azov Battalion is also allegedly Jewish, so who the fuck knows what's going on in them parts? Yeah, so Nikitin, um, you know, he started off in uh, FC, uh, FC Colons, FC Cones, um hooligan firm, and I then believe then he moves to Russia and gets involved at Seska Moscow's hooligan firm and then moves his way into, ideologically, into, like, more um, right-wing, right-wing political organizing and street combat. And then White Rex organizes these tournaments all throughout Europe, um, in France, in Germany, certainly in Ukraine, which actually was the next stop on their little Euro trip. They went to Kiev and Robin, uh, Rob definitely fought in a tournament at uh, an Azov-sponsored club called Reconquista. Um, and then after that, they go to Italy and click up with Casa Pound, the Italian fascist group. So they made this kind of little circuit of Europe with the intent of making, con you know, and they made contact with the most prominent far-right organizations um, of their kind, of their, like, kind of grassroots, um, street culture, street-level type organizing that existed in Europe. So that really makes that, to me, that made them stand out from the rest of um the rest of the far right ecosystem in the US. Yeah, definitely. We spoke about this before, but when I saw um, one of the training videos, very kind of slick production that uh, Ram had put together, it, it did feel more like European fash stuff. You know, like we have a very specific aesthetic here, which is very different to the American far right and our leftists as well. Like our far left look not as weak <laughs> as your guys. <laughs> like they have more of a tough kind of street style. You know what I'm saying? And I feel like, um, yeah, definitely when I looked at Ram, I thought, fuck man, they've really taken that from Europe. And it's interesting to hear they've gone on this kind of fascist MMA tour of Europe. You know, they, they really wanted to build connections. Huh? Yeah, and they, Robert actually, per some chats that got leaked by, um, that got put out there by Unicorn Riot. Um, he was actually in the Identity Europa chats. He bragged about visiting um, Europe beforehand in 2017 and about making contact with, uh, with similar groups in, in Ukraine, in Italy beforehand. And he was, you know, he was very well versed in it. He would regularly, regularly post videos in those chats about from um, far right groups in Spain. What is it? Is it Vox? Yeah, he would post stuff from Poland. Um, he would, you know, make constant reference back to the European far right. And, you know, his connection with Nikitin was strong enough that once they came back stateside, um, Rise Above started selling white Rex branded clothing through their online, um, their online store, um, right brand clothing, where they sold like Rise Above related gear. So, you know, they were they were definitely making they were making moves, you know. So so they'd basically connected over the space of about three or four years, they've connected these various fascist groups through Europe up to themselves. They've gone on this kind of European tour. They're selling equipment, you know, they've been fighting in the streets, they've you know, a lot of video of them punching people's heads in, to be honest. Then what happened? Because they've kind of vanished, right? Well, so what 
they really did skirt any sort of culpability for a long time. Um, the only one of them that had been... Why? I can't honestly answer that. Um, you know, Rob Rundo was arrested in Berkeley for decking a cop in the middle of this melee, and the DA, um, in April 2017, DA declined it at press charges. Um, God knows why. I mean, this is Alameda County. You'd wonder, you'd wonder why the DA would want to let somebody walk for assaulting a cop. In 2018, uh, that's when a lot of the reporting that I was doing with ProPublica was really hitting. Um, you know, we put out information about the group. We put out, we identified one of these guys, Mike Miscellis, as being a defense contract, as working for a defense contractor with Northrop Grumman um, as an aerospace engineer. He had a security clearance, was a PhD candidate at UCLA. Um, they were making their trips to Europe, but there were signs that they were getting... Um, that they were getting more attention. And then in, uh, I believe, August, um, Ben Daly, Tom Gillen, um, who else got arrested? Cole White and Mike Miscellis are all arrested by the feds and charged with conspiracy to riot and riot. A few months later, um, similar charges drop against uh, Rob Rundo, Robert Bowman, um, Tyler Laub, and Aaron Eason for riot and conspiracy to riot, this time out of a federal court in um, California and Los Angeles. So they're facing two sets. There are two indictments, one out of Western Virginia, one out of uh, Western District of Virginia, one out of Central District of California, um, alleging conspiracy charges against eight members of Rise Above. Rob, actually, the story of his arrest is kind of fun, is kind of interesting. So he flew to Europe in, I believe, October of 2018. He was going to meet up with Robert Smithson um, in Europe to do some more training. I believe Smithson was already in Ukraine at the time. And I was, he had some event planned with uh, the far riders, with Nikitin's folks or related people. And sorry, just to back up a sec, when, whenever they were going to U Ukraine, they're meeting yeah. up with Azov every time. Is that right? Like this, you know, the far right battalion out there who also do a lot of these MMA events. Oh, yeah. And Azov claimed them. Azov did praise Rise Above when they when asked about them. They said, yeah, they, these were the guys who were, these were people who were holding down the right ideology. They were really putting their money where their mouth was, you know. So they were walking the walk. And Rob flies to Europe. He gets bounced back from Europe, comes back to the States, understands that something is wrong. Um, Mike Miscellis, um, Rob, Ben Daly had all been questioned coming back into the country in, I believe, May. They'd all been pulled, they'd been pulled aside for secondary screening. And that you can see in court documents. Um, Rob is in SoCal. He's back in Huntington Beach at his apartment, and he gets spooked, and he bugs. He, I think he understood that something was about to happen to him, and he realized um, he couldn't get into Europe. He'd been turned back on a flight at a transfer point, and he walks across the border to Mexico and keeps going. He tries to, he gets on a flight to Cuba. I don't know where he was trying to go. He went to Cuba. And I don't know where he went after that, but they finally, you know, he was finally apprehended in El Salvador, of all places. He gets extradited back to Los Angeles. He gets sent back to Los Angeles and arrested at the airport. He went to Cuba? Yeah. Rob, uh, Rob engaged in a bit of a reverse migration. Um, Ironic. He kind of, yeah, he was following the opposite path of all the migrants fleeing to the U.S. who he and his group, you know, 
routinely demonized and vilified. I mean, his, you should hear him talk about MS-13, about how, you know, basically Central America is putting these, um, all these gang members and criminals in the country. I mean, they, they would do, they'd do banner drops um, over freeways in Southern California saying, you know, secure borders, you know, secure borders, secure America. You know, that they were, the anti-immigration trope and the anti-Islamic tropes that they would push out there um, and talking to former recruits of theirs, really were drawing points. Um, they were kind of seen as, ex they were not drawing points, but they were seen as like acceptable positions to hold, especially in Southern California. Some of the recruits started getting turned off when they started to, when people like Daly would start to espouse anti-Jewish tropes. And that was a bit of a sign for some people that, hey, maybe this isn't for me, you know? Um, but there were signs when these arrests were affected that Rise Above was going in a different direction. Um, there was a significant amount of ammunition found at Mike Miscellis' home in, uh, in Lawndale. Um, we know he had firearms. We don't know where they are. And there is pretty good evidence um, on social media from people I've talked to that Rise Above also went out there in the desert in Southern California and engaged in firearms training and that that was where they were looking to take things. Yeah, so they were definitely moving in a different direction when they got brought in by the feds. And since then, um, you know, there's a little bit, of, there's been a little bit of a defense campaign mounted, again, for them by uh, folks like Eric Stryker and some other far riders who control the their old Gab account. But, you know, they're right now looking at trials, I believe, in July for each, uh, each group of the folks who've been indicted. And two of them have actually pled out and have agreed to cooperate with the authorities. Not Rob though, I bet. No, not Rob. Rob's actually on record. Um, he's posted a couple videos online, phone calls with him and Eric, and, um, Eric Stryker and Mike Painovich, one of those two. And he's, you know, derided the reporting we've done on them and, you know, said, no, this is persecution. They're persecuting us, you know, this is what happens when you're, you know, right thinking, right man. Yeah, but that's the thing. No one is saying you can't have right wing thoughts. That's fine. Like you, if you want to be right wing, that's fine. These guys are far right. This is very different to just being a bit right wing. No one is saying you can't have a, a negative view of immigration. That's up to you. But these guys are white nationalists going about punching people in the face and training to be able to combat people in the streets, you know? Like, how can they think that's persecution? It doesn't make sense to me. Like, I've seen you reporting on this. You're the guy that added up the dots but they were already out there you know it wasn't like you did some particularly secret stuff it was already there right no it was already out there and there was a, you know the best reporting on this up until we started diving into it in august that i started diving into it with my friend darwin bond graham um and then we started working with ac thompson propublica uh, after we published our initial piece on their activities in Berkeley, but the, there was good research out there by a group of anti-fascists, by Northern California um, anti-fascists, um, no, not Northern California anti-racist action, NorCara, and they published, they did the social media scrape on these guys. They actually paid attention to who they were and worked back on it. It was known. Um, any law enforcement agency could have picked that up and done the work on it. The next step that we did for our reporting um, that came out in October of 17 was to look at their criminal histories and understand better who these people were and where they come from, and also look at the ideology that they were espousing. And what kind of criminal histories did they have? Oh, they had felonies, man. Every one of them had felonies. Every one of them had felonies. Rob had done his prison time for his, for his, um, for his assault, his gang assault. Ben Daly had this gun conviction. Tyler Laub had a robbery conviction. Rob Bowman had done prison time in California for, um, for, for robbery. Um, Matt Branstetter, this hammer skin, actually served prison time for beating the tar out of this Jewish kid in Orange County. It was a 
hate crime. He was actually convicted of a hate crime and sent into California State Prison of that for that. Um, you know, every single one of them that we looked at in that piece, they had felonies, man. It was, this isn't casual. When we looked at them at first, you know, started reporting on it, I said, oh, these guys, you know, they look like some kind of surf bros in SoCal. You know, they're probably some South Bay cats who just got involved in this stuff because they thought it was fun to punk lefties. No, every single one of them had a, had a, had a record. Every single one. That's what's really interesting to me because when you look at a lot of these, these neo-fascist kids, especially in the new wave in the US, you know, most of them are like poll retards or the same day of the rope. It's like really the only person you're going to hang is yourself. <laughs> you know, like they're like skinny basement <laughs> lunatics, usually like Atom often got their guns and that, but they're, they're fucking losers really, you know, like, but Ram, like you said, these are hard guys. These are like gritty street kids, basically. Yeah. And the people who they were associating with and training with and learning from were competent at what they did. They were competent at violence. Um, they were steeped in this white nationalist ideology, this white supremacist ideology that the Hammerskins are unabashedly espousing. And they were moving in a direction towards people like Nikitin, towards the Kasapan, towards Azov. I mean, those are these are not benign organizations. They're overt neo-fascist organizations that have a bigoted, um, very, you know, very Manichaean worldview. It's black and white to them. It's us and them. I'm really, I'm, this is why I'm really glad we spoke about this because here in Europe, you know, all we really see from you guys in the US, if you if you don't, obviously not me because I'm a kind of anorak and I dig into it, but you know, it's like MAGA kid smirks. It's like, man, at the same time, you've got these street fighting crews made up of former, you know, criminals. Like, it's, it's, it's a mad situation. Yeah, it's in a way, this is what Ram to me is a modern spin-off of the old skinhead crews. Um, no braces, no boots, hair, you know, they grow out their hair, some of them have them a little fashy haircut. They fit in, you know, they have a little, they have a more all-American look, they have a more cutting-edge look, and frankly, you know, they were able to draw attention, they were able to, they have a following, they have a cash, they have, um, you know, they have cachet. And I do believe that there are other groups out there like them, um, like Patriot Front, that are definitely down to engage in some of the same violence. Patriot Front are also very happy to like intimidate journalists. Um, and, you know, the U.S. has these strains of white nationalist violence that you really, and an ideology, an organization, that are there for the taking, if you look for it. If you pay attention to what people are saying, if you pay attention to what these groups are doing, and there are accept the problem is there are accepted strains of bigotry in society uh islamophobia is accepted anti-immigrant anti sentiment is accepted in more in large strains of our society you see this in the stuff that gets put in the in the commercial media and these groups recruit off that base off that common base of of, int of interest and of uh of, of hatred I, yeah, but, and I also think Ram were quite smart. You know, I watched one of their videos, you and me spoke about it, and, you know, you disagreed with me, but I said it looks cool. If I didn't know these guys were fascists, I'd be all in for it because they're training, they're doing combat training, which is very good for your body, good for your mind, good for personal self-defense. They're, they're straight edge, so no drugs, no alcohol, no smoking, which is, again, a very good thing. So as a young lost kid, I would think, yeah, yeah, that's okay. And then unfortunately, they want to like 
kill Jews and beat up Antifa and whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean they had they had an appeal. They you know and yes I you know I did disagree with you at the time, but it, it is true. They're they marketed themselves very well and they were doing it in a way that is authentic. That appears to not be you know it's not some guy like Richard Spencer trying to dress like he's in the Ivy League and sip whiskey and talk you know high level theory. You know they're talking about hey look we know you're we know that some of your friends have had we know you may have had problems with drugs. We did too. We had problems with alcohol. We had problems growing up. We, we had these things that are, were pushing us back and knocking us down. But here's why this happened to you. It's not because it's you fucking up. It's not because it's you messing up. It's somebody else pushing this stuff down on you, downhill. And it's coming from the Zog. It's coming from X. It's coming from Y. And, you know, they are organizations, far-right organizations in the U.S. have made a concerted effort to recruit youth. And this is one of the organizations, Rise Above is one of the organizations that actually had a good amount of success in recruiting a cadre and building an image of themselves around something that's holistic and positive, not a negative view, right? Not a negative view of the world. That is the second layer of this organization when you get into it. But the way they sold themselves was, yes, we're about us. We're about our guys. You know, we want to do things right for our guys. Why? You guys can have your own organizations. There's pro-black, pro pro-Latino, pro-Jew pro-Native American, what about us? Yeah, it goes into all this racism and violence and whatever. Um, do you think that's the end of them now, now that they're all basically in prison? Or do you think, you know, they'll get off and start again? Um, I mean, it's hard to tell. There are people in this organization who are still at large. Um, there are people in the adjacent organizations to them, like the Hammerskins, that are still at large. And uh, I, I think their, their, their trial will be interesting. It'll be a bit of a watershed moment in terms, I mean, this is the only group to catch an, a conspiracy charge out of Charlottesville. I mean, this and, and all the riots that happened in California, this is the only group to actually be targeted properly, or not, not properly, but the, to be targeted as a cluster by federal law enforcement. There are smaller organizations that they've picked up, but for example, Adamoff, and there were never any charges filed against them as a, as a group, um, just as individuals, right? Sam Woodward, Nick Giampa, um, Brennan Russell, Devin Arthurs. Um, nothing like this has come down on Vanguard America. Um, nothing like this has come down on Patriot Front. Nothing like this has come down on Identity Europa. So why Ram? Why did the police go after them this way? They were high visibility. And yeah. they had, there was a lot of attention focused on them. I mean, don't want to say because of our reporting, but it, we certainly they put their name out there. They also had like this visual affect too. I mean, when they, there was so much tape of them fighting and brawling, and just, you know, doing it very effectively. I mean, I think that scared a lot of people. I also think that realistically, looking at the filings that have been made in the past few months, the federal government, um, first of all, the domestic terrorism squad investigated them. It wasn't a criminal investigation. It was a it was done by that particular group, the FBI. That's what the affidavits say. Mm. And then um, when you look at the current filings that DOJ is making against them, they're outlining their ties to Azov, to Casa Pound. They're outlining their ties to neo-Nazi organizations in Europe. And I think that's something that the government paid attention to. Once they started seeing that connectivity um, to international um, far-right fascist groups, that's what really perked their interest up. Yeah, and I, I think people really need to wake up to that. Like, you and me know because oh, we were looking huge. through... Yeah, it's huge, right? We were looking at the Atomwaffen stuff when we did our investigation with AC mm -hmm. and, like... Fucking Brendan, Brandon Russell, who started Atomoff, and he met members of National Action before they were even on the terror list. So you're looking at like 2015. Uh, you, you know, it's it's a big deal. Yeah, they they definitely made that connectivity. Um, there are 
other organizations, Identity Europa, really pull from Generation Identitaire. They're very, very, very into that entire um, European identitarian construct, that model of organizing. Casa Pound, again, you know, they ape them. They ape their organization structure. Um, AFD has a lot of American, big American fans. That connectivity, and then you have guys like Kevin McDonald, this far-right ideologue, going and speaking at... Um, I believe, uh, an Azov-sponsored conference in Kiev. I mean, there there is this back and forth over there that really must be paid attention to. You have members of the Front National speaking at, um, the, at CPAC, the conservative, you know, the annual conservative uh, version of Wallapalooza. Really. The most unfun Wallapalooza ever. That's your, if that's your thing. <laughs> but, um, you know, I'm not a politics reporter. I couldn't care about that stuff. But yeah, you same. see this connectivity, you see this ideological movement back on both sides of the Atlantic, and it really warrants attention um again in this country of all the terrorist attacks perpetuated in this country last year all the murders the domestic terrorism related murders were all committed by members of the far right and not one member of the far left committed them in 2018 um there it sounds like there's going to be a hearing in the house in the house of representatives about um far right extremism about white nationalist extremism and i think that there's a little bit of more of a realization now about the um, the threat posed by this current wave we're seeing. This is what happened in Christchurch last week. The, the suspect in that case, the main suspect, the alleged gunman, he was very, very, very much a self-identified fascist um, who placed himself in this pantheon of, far, of homicidal far-right figures like Darren Osborne, like Anders Breivik, like Dylan Roof. And that's where he situated himself. He's wearing the Kolobrat He's wearing the Celtic cross. The Celtic cross. He's wearing the Sonnenrand on his gear. His rifle is, you know, slathered in these you know, daubed on white supremacist slogans. There's, there's no question in my mind that Tarrant was not, um, that Brandon Tarrant was not a internet troll. That he was a white nationalist. He was a homicidal white nationalist who had it in his mind to kill these people because of his ideology. Yeah, of course he was. Of course he was. He just was very online. That's all. Like he, you know, some of his um, manifesto. A lot of it was was trolling, but that was just like a little dog whistle and a nod to his little boys on 8chan who would go, oh, that's fucking hilarious, and reporters that would misreport it. That doesn't mean he wasn't, you know, I see some right-wing guys like, oh, he said he didn't mind gays. He said he liked Anders Breivik. <laughs> like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Like, it's very clear what he was doing. What I will say about Breivik, the Breivik connection is this. Um, you have... Another individual in the U.S., Christopher Hassan, his Coast Guard lieutenant, who was arrested and charged last month in February by the feds, they complaint against him. The court documents show that he was he was a again another one of these acolytes of Brevik had read the manifesto and was planning a Brevik style attack in the U.S. So this what happened in Christchurch very well could have happened in Virginia or Maryland or D.C. or anywhere on the Eastern Seaboard with this guy if he hadn't been brought in. So this this spread of this you know this white nationalist ideology of which Brevik certainly was a proponent, um, despite all his well documented mental illnesses and you know you know whatever sort of level he was on the scale, um, the man put forth a blueprint that people are following. I never buy that thing as well. Of like, oh well, Anders Brave it was on the on the spectrum. Like I've got I've got a friend who's autistic. He he's fine, and he could very easily become whatever he wanted to just because he has this illness doesn't mean that he you know he isn't responsible for what he did you know yeah and especially i mean in this country it's inc it's so easy to get a firearm in this country yeah, yeah. 
it's so easy to get a semi-automatic firearm. I mean, in New York City, where I am, it's not that easy. But you know, you can drive you a few hours south of here, a few miles to the west, a few hours to the west, and the laws in those states are very different. Um, let alone the west coast or the south. Well, lucky you. We can't even have a fucking bread knife with our license. Well, you know, there's a reason why people got out of England so long ago, James. <laughs> uh, all right, Ali, that was excellent, man. Um, so, Ali, if, if people want to follow your work and get in touch with you, where can they do that? Um, so, I work at the New York Times. I'm a reporter on the Metro Desk. I cover the New York City Police Department. Um, so, you can read my stuff at the Times. Um, I'm on Twitter. Um, a Winston is my handle. And, uh, yeah, that's what I do. Um, you know, most of the time I work on city-related policing issues and criminal justice stuff. But every now and then I break off and do stuff like this. Okay, man. Thank you very much. That was really good. Not a problem, Jake. That was Ali Winston talking about the Rise Above movement, a white nationalist street fighting movement in the US. Uh, sorry about the audio at the end there. We lost like the last 10 minutes of the recording, so I had to bring it up from the audio on my mic so it sounds a bit ratty, but you know, it's, it's all right. It's just the end. If you like what we're doing here at Popular Front, please do consider supporting us on the Patreon. It's the only real way we grow. That is patreon.com slash popularfront. Also now the Popular Front website is up and running. We have all sorts on there, articles, video, the shop. So go to www.popularfront.co. This episode was sponsored by thedefensepost.com, defense with an S. Follow them for regular updates on the world in conflict. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Go to youtube.com slash popularfront. Instagram is instagram.com slash popular.front. And for Twitter, either follow me, that's at Jake underscore Hanrahan, H-A-N-R-A-H-A-N, or go to the Popular Front Twitter, that's twitter.com slash popularfrontco. Thank you very much to the following people. Without this, this wouldn't be possible. They are Adam Bergsnyder, Axel Iverson, Chad Walker, Dan Dunham, Daniel Shearer, Darby, Diana Gorvanek, Elizabeth Benicki, Emily Molly, Fletcher Tate, James from the Discord, Joanne Stocker, Joel Tambusi, Jack Mayhoff, Lawrence Abrahams, LH, Margaret Bowling, thank you very much, absolutely sorted me out this month when the uh, laptops and everything went down, Michael Euler, Patrick Bronte, Peter McCormack from the What Bitcoin Did podcast, Russia Alakidi, Ryan Sandercock, Scott Jonesy, Sebastian from the Discord, Surushe Hawazi, Teddy, Tom Lochrin, Tony Bin, Vida Provost, and Zachary Hinch. Thank you very much. And if I missed your name off, please do let me know. Uh, Patreon is an absolutely dreadful, dreadful buggy platform. And for some reason, sometimes it doesn't tell me all the higher tier people. I don't know why. So get in contact if I missed your name off. And if I did, apologies. Uh, music in this episode the intro was by home and the outro was by son of old it's a remix of an old kino song follow him soundcloud.com slash son dash of dash old like i said the popular front website is fully operational now go to popularfront.co